Well, they're going to get uh, some of the tips and tricks to the trade when it comes to working with a recruiting agency and specifically a, a good strong recruiter here in the Bay Area to begin with. That'll be the number one thing I think to walk away with, Jonathan. But really a big underlining theme here is stay in communication with the recruiter and the recruiting firm throughout and all the way through the process. We talk a little bit more about prepare or die and testing, testing, testing. We do expect a very high investment of time from our, our candidates uh, and our clients' recruiter relationship. Boy, what drives us crazy is really uh, folks that uh, kind of go dark uh, on the candidate side. Do you want to be the absolute best candidate for a job you'll love in a career with balance? Veteran leadership career catalyst Jonathan Flax is teaming up with leading executive search professionals to provide you with cutting-edge career transition strategies. Welcome to Career Transition Experts. And now, here's your host, Jonathan Flax. We have Mark Gambarassi with us today. Really excited about this conversation. Really cutting-edge ideas that you can uh, coming up. Uh, Mark, before we go into your introduction, what is the number one thing people are going to get if they stick around and listen to this episode? Well, they're going to get uh, some of the tips and tricks to the trade when it comes to working with a recruiting agency and specifically a a good strong recruiter here in the Bay Area to begin with. That'll be the number one thing I think to walk away with, Jonathan. Okay, great. And um, one of the things that has me excited about this this conversation we're going to have is you bring up a little different angle about preparation. I mean, most of the recruiters I talk to, that's one of the most important things we talk about is preparation. But uh, we talk a little bit more about prepare or die and testing, testing, testing. Those were two things I, I found interesting that you sent to me in our email. Are we going to cover that today? That's right. Correct. Okay, awesome. All right, let me tell people a little bit about you, and you can tell us more about yourself. Uh, Mark, if I understand correctly, you've been in business uh, 19, 20 years, so in that order of magnitude, placing sales professionals, marketing executives, product, and engineering talent uh, in the U.S. mostly with venture and angel-backed tech companies, mostly tech startups, and always working with companies in a hyper-growth mode. Is that accurate? That's 100% accurate, Jonathan. Uh, is there anything else uh, you'd like people to know about you? Sure. I'd say stick around and, and listen to the entire episode. There is some good information on best practices and tips that uh, when adhered to uh, really increase the likelihood of, of a strong offer for those that are looking for work. So stick around. Hey, great. So let me ask you, how do you differentiate yourself so that candidates want to work with you to land a job they want versus anyone else? Sure. Great question, Jonathan. So as a lot of our references or referrals will state online, we do expect a very high investment of time from our, our candidates uh, and our clients' recruiter relationship. So a uh, decision to make a, a job change is a, is a big one, and we realize that. We take it seriously and expect that our candidates' base does as well. So with that, uh, we expect a, a pre-preparation interview or a number of those, actually, uh, which is a critical part of the interview process for the, the candidate preparation process and landing what they would call their dream job. So an investment in time uh, for prepping and coaching is important to us. And uh, that really differentiates us from most other agencies who say they do it. But uh, for most of our debriefs that we hear from candidates, uh, they've never had that happen. So we, we stand out by doing that. Hmm. So you hear from a lot of your, your uh, candidates that they're getting uh, the kind of prep that they're not getting from other recruiters. That's right. Sure. We'll do uh, interview preps, uh, debrief preps, resignation preps. 
presentation preps. And uh, for all those I've heard over the past 20 years, candidates end those sessions with saying, wow, that's never happened before, Mark. So I, I believe wow. I'm doing it. That's really great. That's really mm-hmm. great. Um, take us down the road of one of those kinds of preps and uh, anything in particular that listeners might learn from how you go about that. Absolutely. So uh, we treat every interview, or at least we ask every candidate to treat every interview as a sales call or sales uh, presentation, call it. And it really is just that, Jonathan, they are obviously presenting themselves uh, as the product per se. And so mm-hmm. we walk them through a typical sales process, right? So how to demonstrate who they are. So a demo part of a sales pitch. Uh, we certainly coach very heavily on what we call the needs analysis piece of the sales call, which is understanding why you're on the call, what the client's uh, really hiring pain points are, uh, and what you can do to solve those problems. Um, and then certainly going through a trial close and a close to really make sure that what you presented aligns well with what the client is looking for. And then a close at the very end, right? Meaning, um, you know, ask for the job or at least ask for the next step. So what, those four steps are pretty basic in any sales call. And we ask for those two. I'm sure that resonates really well with the sales professionals you work with and could be a extremely useful insights for candidates who don't have sales training. I mean, those are classic sales training stages, but still very relevant. In your email to me, and at the beginning of this episode, I brought up the words testing, testing, testing. Uh, in the history of this podcast, I haven't had an interviewee emphasize a word so heavily. Talk to us about how you prepare candidates for testing. Sure. And that, that boils down to really reviewing what that specific discipline would consider testing for you know, marketing and product professionals, it's going to be some sort of portfolio work, which we own review ahead of time. Uh, engineering candidates, it's coding. And we have certain sites that we expect folks to go to to do some pre-coding uh, exercises and testing to see how boned up they are, per se, on their skill. Uh, on the sales side, of course, testing really boils down to a role play. So we do lots of role playing to make sure that uh, they are uh, up to par with what they should do on a phone call. Uh, on top of just selling themselves, uh, they might be asked to you know, talk about their, their sales methodologies and processes, and, and that usually comes out then and there. Do you find that our, our clients ask candidates to test and they are ready for that on a regular basis? Uh, sure. Clients do ask on a regular basis. Are candidates prepared? Uh, the folks that work with us usually are um, because we, we tell them at a time that that could be part of the process. We want to be very well synced up with our client base so we know what their process is and what they may or may not ask on interviews. Uh, but even then, uh, sometimes candidates refuse the prep part of our service and then they walk away uh, a bit unprepared and, and it shows in the results of the interview. If they are asked to, to role play, perhaps, or present a portfolio, they may not have it really available and mm. uh, don't do well. Yeah. Yeah. As you and I talked before, that's a definite deal killer. Any thoughts on what kind of preparation for testing, if there's any tests that your your clients have put leaders through from the standpoint your leaders, you know, and, and managers from the standpoint of testing on leadership? That's a good question. Um, boy, most of our leadership interviews or candidates that we present for leadership probably don't go through a testing process. So if you're referring to some sort of soft skill or leadership or management prowess test, uh, I wouldn't know. Uh, I'm sure there are certainly those that exist and you would probably know better than me, but uh, mm. most of our candidate base doesn't go through that. I see. Yeah, there are uh, soft skill assessments uh, like the DISC and Myers-Briggs and the mm-hmm. Strength Finder and all these kinds of things that leaders should also be prepared, at least uh, prepared from an attitudinal standpoint, uh, that if they're asked to do something like a, 
personality assessment. You shouldn't look at it as a personal affront. It's the company seeking to understand uh, uh, the candidate's leadership style and leadership competence and leadership strengths and, we- and weaknesses. Not necessarily to, to rule them out, but uh, often recruiters will use that to also inform if they have a good candidate, how will they need to manage that candidate? Mm-hmm. That's right. I have heard of DISC and, and uh, Myers-Briggs, and yes, for sure, the, that would be why uh, they're given, right? Uh, to help right. Uh, make a good hire. Yeah. You know, I like to ask on these interviews, what's the dumbest thing you've seen smart people do or what drives you crazy and, and pisses you off? <laughs> you could tell me answers to either or both of those questions. Sure, sure. Boy, what drives us crazy is really uh, folks that uh, kind of go dark uh, on the candidate side and even the client side for that matter. And there's usually a reason for it. And uh, we were thick-skinned enough to be able to want to hear the answer. But, uh, you know, people that choose not to participate actively in the interview process, once we introduce them to our client base, uh, sometimes the candidates feel like uh, we've done our job and, and there's no need for us any longer, which is uh, could be farther from the truth. We have a lot of insights, a lot of information that we can offer post-interview, pre-interview uh, that they would no longer get or they wouldn't get really from the client. So they should, uh, shouldn't really go dark, per se, if that makes sense. Um, and yes, we've seen quite a few dumb things done in the past. Um, you know, one that comes to mind would be a, a candidate who felt he, he knew it all when it came to prepping, so chose not to participate in our prep session where we would go over the protocol for the phone call or in-person interview. In this case, it was a, a phone call, a phone interview that was supposed to have happened, and the candidate uh, drove around 120 miles to meet up in person for a hiring manager who was not at the location and uh, obviously didn't meet with him. And so needless to say, they passed on that candidate and. Uh, chose not to reschedule him. So his loss, unfortunately, but yeah, that could have been prevented by the prep. Oh my goodness. Uh, listeners, you just um, can imagine driving two and a half hours to show up for a phone interview that you could have made and then two and a half hours back. And then you don't, and then you pass automatically for not being in communication. So the really a big underlining theme here is stay in communication with the recruiter and the recruiting firm throughout and all the way through the process. And in fact, even within the first 90 days, it's good for a candidate to stay in touch with the recruiter and see if there's any right. feedback coming back. Anything you do, you, uh, you and or your firm does in those first 90 days? Sure, yeah, it's first year for us minimum. Probably 18 different phone calls to both sides of the business, the clients and the candidates, ensuring that folks are living up to expectations, happy, successful. That spills into six months into one year anniversary. So we want to hear those success stories from both sides as well. So mm-hmm. very, very important to have those phone calls because uh, you never know. It'd be good to have a, one more person to talk to if things aren't going well to, to bet things out. Great. Great, Mark. A couple of personal questions I'd like to ask. Do you have any uh, <laughs> philanthropic uh, activities or uh, causes you support? Absolutely. When it comes to philanthropic work, uh, what we do do is on occasion we will uh, present candidates to our client base on a pro bono basis. We won't charge a fee for it, uh, meaning we want to show some goodwill that we're really interested in filling the position with the right candidate. And on occasion, we'll do that. We won't charge a fee for a specific hire. And that really puts us uh, in a position where clients don't expect that, uh, especially from recruiting agencies who always charge fees. And so I think this just builds goodwill and, and allows us to you know, have better client relationships in the future with that specific client. Got it. Yeah, we, I always have a rolling uh, pro bono opening that, uh, that really feels good when there's someone in need. I have a client right now, for example, in the uh, sales business for food service and restaurants. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, 
with COVID, a lot of restaurants were ordering a lot less. And so his income got decimated. And I feel really good about uh, supporting him through this time. Uh, I'd like to know if you have a favorite, uh, you have any single favorite music group or artist or a favorite uh, channel? When I think of music, I think of the 80s. Uh, I'm a bit up there in age. And so, uh, you know, bands like The Cure or uh, AHA or folks like that really draw my attention when they come on. Uh, it feels like music is a bit more commoditized nowadays. So there's quite a bit out there. Listen to it all. But uh, certainly some of the older bands. Got it. Okay. I'm a little older than you. So I spent a good amount of time this weekend watching a concert from 1977. Excellent. Uh, it was Yes in concert. And uh, also a, a fascinating 1980 release of a 1979 concert featuring Joni Mitchell, Pat Metheny, and Jaco Pistorius, and some other jazz greats. Phenomenal jazz Fantastic. fusion pop folk rock concert. Really great. I can and imagine. Yes. We're going to put your uh, contact information in the show notes, but is there anything else as we wrap up here that you'd like our listeners to know? I would certainly recommend uh, that folks that are in the middle of job search connect with the recruiter. Yeah, absolutely. If you've uh, had an experience and it wasn't the best, I'd say call us. We can change that opinion. Uh, if you uh, have had experience with recruiters and they work for you, fantastic. Reach out. And if you haven't had any experience when we want to help you land your dream job, there's a lot of information we can offer from a relationship that you probably wouldn't get on your own through just uh, approaching companies directly. So reach out. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Great. Mark Gambarasi, thank you very much for your time and your insights. Very much appreciate it. Thanks, Jonathan. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Career Transition Experts. If there's anything we can do to help you be the absolute best candidate for a job you love without the typical torture, our contact information is in the show notes. And we are here for you. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now. Bye for now.